Hey, faithful listener, welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast, the podcast where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's discussion from the book of Judges. Welcome to the Bible Explained podcast, friends and faithful listeners. This is your host, Jen. And today we are going to be discussing Judges chapter 17. And this chapter and the next chapter and the chapter after that just get really insane. Actually, from here on out in the book of Judges, it just gets worse and worse and worse. And we're going to discuss why it gets worse and worse and worse. And some of these absolutely crazy stories that happen in Israel's history here in in the book of Judges. All right, so let's go ahead and read all of Judges chapter 17. It's only 13 verses long, so it's a relatively short chapter, but it kind of paves the way of what we are going to talk about over the next few days. So I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. as I usually do. Please feel free to grab your cup of coffee or your cup of tea this morning and also the version of the Bible that you prefer. And let's go ahead and read all of Judges 17. There was a man in the hill country of Ephraim whose name was Micah. He said to his mother, the 1100 pieces of silver that were taken from you, about which you uttered a curse and also spoke it in my ears. Behold, the silver is with me. I took it. His mother said, may Yahweh bless my son. He restored the 1100 pieces of silver to his mother. Then his mother said, I most certainly dedicate the silver to Yahweh from my hand for my son to make a carved image and a molten image. Now, therefore, I will restore it to you. When he restored the money to his mother, his mother took 200 pieces of silver and gave them to a silversmith who made a carved image and a molten image out of it. It was in the house of Micah. The man Micah had a house of gods, and he made an ephod and a teraphim and consecrated one of his sons who became his priest. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did, which was right in his own eyes. There was a young man out of Bethlehem, Judah, of the family of Judah, who was a Levite, and he lived there. The man departed out of the city, out of Bethlehem, Judah, to live where he could find a place. And he came to the hill country of Ephraim, to the house of Micah, as he traveled. Micah said to him, where did you come from? He said to him, I'm a Levite of Bethlehem, Judah, and I am looking for a place to live. Micah said to him, dwell with me and be to me a father and a priest, and I will give you 10 pieces of silver a year, a suit of clothing and your food. So the Levite went in. The Levite was content to dwell with the man, and the young man was to him as one of his sons. Micah consecrated the Levite, and the young man became a priest and was in the house of Micah. Then Micah said, Now I know that Yahweh will do good to me, since I have a Levite as my priest. The one thing I noticed about this passage was how much it's twisting all of the Old Testament laws. For example, the whole thing with this guy, Micah, really wanting a Levite as his priest for his house of idols so that Micah can feel blessed and yet still do whatever Micah wants to do. And you can kind of see where Micah's heart is because Micah's introduced immediately as this terrible thief. He's not just a thief that goes out and steals from other people. He was a thief that stole from his own mother. It said that his mother had a very hefty fortune. She had 1,100 pieces of silver. And we know that this is a very hefty fortune because if you look down 
at verse 10, it mentions that Micah would give the the young priest, the Levite, 10 pieces of silver per year. And that was a good wage, considered a decent wage, apparently, because it says the Levite man was happy with that. So 1,100 pieces of silver, that's 110 years of a good wage, right? If I'm thinking correctly. So that's a lot of money. But that also kind of brings into perspective, we just finished talking about Samson and Delilah, you know, and how Delilah was given 1,100 pieces of silver from each lord of the Philistines. So we don't know how many lords of the Philistines there were, but there were at least two. So that means that Delilah would have gotten a very hefty wage. You know, so 1,100 pieces of silver is a lot of money. And Micah here, is introduced as a thief that stole all of this silver, 1,100 pieces of silver from his mother. Here's what it says in verses one and two. There was a man of the hill country of Ephraim, so he was an Ephraimite, whose name was Micah. He said to his mother, the 1,100 pieces of silver that were taken from you, about which you uttered a curse and spoken in my ears, the silver is with me, I took it. So, So what ended up happening here was, His mother lost 1,100 pieces of silver. She spoke this curse because anybody that loses a hefty fortune like that is obviously going to speak some kind of a curse word. And depending on the version you read, it might be read a little bit differently. Uh, For example, the NIV version says, the silver that were taken from you about which I heard you utter a curse. So it, it just depends on the version you read. But clearly his mother was very upset over losing that much money, obviously, as any person would do, especially an older woman of this time period, especially since older women weren't well taken care of. And Micah clearly didn't take care of his mother because he stole her entire fortune from her. However, he ends up giving it back to her for whatever reason. Maybe he started to feel guilty, he had a conscience, and he was like, okay, maybe I shouldn't have uh, taken all of my mother's money. I'm going to give it back to her. So he says, the silver is with me, I took it from you. And his mother says, may Yahweh bless my son. (laughs) Now I can just tell you that if I had a kid who stole my entire fortune from me, my entire life savings from me and gave it back to me. The first words that I said to that child would not be, may Yahweh bless you. (laughs) It would be something very, very different. But clearly this Micah guy was kind of a spoiled kid because not only does the mother bless him for returning the money, uh, she also ends up giving him this very elaborate gift out of this money. It says she takes 200 pieces of the silver and ends up giving it to a silversmith so that the silversmith could make it into an idol that she could give her son Micah. Because Micah had this house of gods. In other words, he had a temple in his yard, a temple where other people could come and worship. Basically like a church is what he had. And he had all these different gods in this this temple thing in his yard. So this shows a few things about Micah's family. This shows that uh, they were very not in tune with Yahweh. They did not 
read or care about Yahweh's laws, the Old Testament laws that they were supposed to be following, and also that they were extremely wealthy. Because not only did his mother have this personal fortune of 1,100 pieces of silver, but Micah had enough money to be able to afford running and operating a church, a temple rather, in his yard with all these very fancy gods and goddesses in this temple that were made out of gold and silver and precious stones and wood and whatever else they used to make into molten images, basically. So Micah's mother adds to Micah's collection of gods, takes 200 pieces of that silver. That's like 20 years of a wage. She takes 200 pieces of silver and gives it to a silversmith to make it into a little silver image. And then she gives it to Micah, where Micah ends up putting it into his temple. So after this, it says that Micah made an ephod, which was one of those linen garments that the Levitical priests would wear when they went into the temple of God. Now, don't forget that there was really only supposed to be one house of worship at this time period where people would go from all over to worship God there. And the temple at this this time period was in Bethel. And so that's where people should have been going to worship God. And actually, there was a rule in the Old Testament where God said, don't make altars in your backyard. Not to mention, don't make any graven images and don't like set up in a temple for, you know, other gods and stuff like that, obviously. But there was even a rule where you weren't even supposed to sacrifice in your backyard because that could get really messy. First and foremost, it would cause people to just worship God however they wanted to worship God, doing whatever they wanted to do. And God was very clear. No, don't do whatever you want to do to worship me. Come to the house of worship to worship me the way that I want you to worship me, because the other ways aren't actually worship. If you're just doing whatever you want to do and calling it worship, that's not true worship. That's not actual worship. So that was one reason why God said no altars in the backyard. Another reason I think that altars were banned from the backyard was because it would, at a certain point, probably become animal cruelty. And I've talked about that on the podcast before, where when an animal was sacrificed to Yahweh, there was a very specific way it was supposed to be done. There was supposed to be grief associated with it. This innocent animal is dying because of my sin. So the priest would have to lay their hands on this animal there would be like a whole ceremony behind it. It wasn't just supposed to be done in your backyard where anybody could take any animal that they wanted and sacrifice it on an altar. It was supposed to be done neatly and in order. So everything Micah's doing here is wrong. <laughs> it's all wrong. He's taking aspects of the Old Testament law and twisting them and just doing what he wants to do. So he makes this ephod, and it also says that he makes teraphim, which were little household idols. And he consecrated one of his own sons, an Ephraimite, who became his priest. So Micah just decides one of his sons is holy enough to become a priest. And uh, clearly, an Ephraimite was not supposed to become a priest at this time period. This was 
specifically given to the Levites as a role. Now, that does change later on. But as of right now, God did not change that. The Levites were the ones who were supposed to be the priests. So Micah makes one of his sons a priest in order to make this temple in his backyard more official. And it says here in verse six that in those days there was no king in Israel, which is a very sad statement because Yahweh was supposed to be the king. And the Israelites fully rejected Yahweh as their king. They fully rejected him. They didn't want Yahweh as a king. They wanted a human king, as you can see from a handful of times where the the people were asking one of the judges to become their king. They wanted a human king like all the other nations had. They didn't want Yahweh to be their king. They didn't like the setup that Yahweh gave them with the priests and the judge and the high priest. They didn't like any of that. They wanted what the other nations had. Now, that's the one thing you see Israel slipping into over and over and over again is just trying to be like the other nations. And that's why God was very clear from the beginning. Israel, don't be like the other nations. Don't follow after their gods. Don't make peace treaties with pagans and start intermarrying and worshiping their idols. Don't do this stuff that they are doing because it's wrong. And Yahweh even said, I am driving the people out of the land that I'm giving you because of what they're doing. So don't follow in those footsteps. But Micah here is fully following in those footsteps and doing whatever was right in his own eyes, as what verse six said. So Micah was just following his heart. He was following whatever he, he was following his truth. That's what we always hear nowadays, don't we? We always hear, well, it's my truth. You know, that's why I have to do this. It's my truth. But that's such a false statement because there's either the truth or there's falsehood. There's no such thing as somebody's individual truth. Either something is true or it's false. And it can't be true for one person and not true for another person. It's either true or it's false. So we see a lot of that happening nowadays where people are just doing whatever they want to do. And it's not necessarily Yahweh that people are worshiping nowadays. There, A lot of people are worshiping self. A lot of people are saying, well, this is what I want, so I'm going to do it. They're just only focusing on fleshly desires instead of spiritual desires that God wants for people. And you can see now how depressed, anxious people really are nowadays. And it's just, it's continuing to get worse and worse. And, you know, there's so many studies coming out. Oh, well, this is what is causing anxiety to skyrocket this year. No, this is what's causing anxiety to skyrocket this year. But it's very clear over the past 50, 60 years that church and Yahweh and religion is just continually being looked down upon. And personally, that's why I think people are so depressed because there's no other purpose for them other than self and what they want in that moment. And that's a very depressing way to live is just to constantly please self and not have a higher purpose in life. But that's what Israel was doing back in these days. That's exactly where they were. They were like modern day America, basically. But then in verse seven, it introduces this young man named, oh, it doesn't have a name. He's just a Levite. He's just a young Levite man. 
And he ends up leaving his family from Judah. Now, I don't know why. It, it doesn't say any reason why. But the only thing I can think is that this young man was never satisfied. And the reason I say that is because we're also going to be talking about this young Levite in the next chapter as well. And it just kind of seems like this young Levite is doing whatever he wants to do. Once again, just pleasing himself, just like verse six mentioned. He was doing whatever was right in his own eyes. So he leaves his family completely behind out of the land of Judah. And he starts traveling around to see what he's going to do. And he ends up at Micah's house, actually. He ends up at a rich man's house. Best place for this Levite to be. And so Micah invites this young man in. And, you know, people are, I would imagine, more hospitable back in these days than uh, nowadays. Like if there was just some random guy that wound up at my house, there's no way I'd let him in. (laughs) Because that's just our culture now is we don't uh, let strangers in, stranger danger. But back in these days... There was less issue, I imagine. Well, maybe not less issue, but less of a concern with that. And so Micah invites the young man in, probably for a meal, because the young man was traveling. And Micah finds out that this young man is a Levite. And the Levite says to him, I am a Levite and I'm looking for a place to live. So, of course, this Levite mentions this to this very rich man, right, where he ends up on this doorstep. Perfect place for this Levite to wind up. So Micah says, well, live with me (laughs) and I'll give you a good wage every year. I'll give you 10 pieces of silver per year, plus a suit of clothing and all your food, not to mention just a house for this young man to live in. So this is a great deal for this young Levite. He's like, perfect. You know, I will be a Levite to you. I, I will be a priest to you and I will, you know, Take all your food and your housing and everything and the money as well to do all of this. So the young man moves right in and it says the young man was content to dwell with Micah. And Micah considered this young man after a while as one of his sons. So Micah grew very, very close to this young Levite. So close that they ended up forming this father and son relationship. So remember that moving into the story this week. Micah consecrates the Levite instead of his his son. Remember, one of his real sons was Micah's quote unquote priest. But now Micah dedicates a real Levite as his priest because Micah thinks this means something because Levites were supposed to be priests. And because Micah had no knowledge or no care of the Old Testament laws, he didn't realize that just any Levite off the street couldn't just be a priest, not to mention that everything Micah was doing was wrong to begin with because he was worshiping idols on top of Yahweh. I mean, Yahweh's name is actually mentioned here because Micah's mother mentions Yahweh. May Yahweh bless my son. So they had some understanding of Yahweh, but they're mixing in all other pagan nonsense into the worship of Yahweh, which was something that Yahweh said, don't ever, ever do. But Micah, thinks that this Levite is something special. So he consecrates him. In other words, he sets him apart as holy. And only God was really able to do that. And this young Levite becomes Micah's priest. And Micah said, Now I know that Yahweh will do good to me since I have a Levite as my priest. And that's 
how far Israel began to fall away from the Old Testament. They had no understanding of what Yahweh wanted because they rejected him as king. And now I don't know if every single person in Israel rejected Yahweh as king. I'm sure there were still people that truly listened to the Old Testament, went to the temple the way they were supposed to out in Bethel, and tried to do what they should be doing the way Yahweh told them to do it. I'm sure there are still people like that. But unfortunately, the majority of Israel fell away from Yahweh in these days by either completely rejecting Yahweh, completely worshiping something else, or like Micah, mixing nonsense in to the worship of Yahweh. Either way, it was against what God wanted. So we have to be very careful because Israel looks kind of similar to me as modern day America. We mix a lot of stuff in to our worship of God. And we have to be careful not to do that, not to take our own ideologies in, but to have the Bible form our worldview and not to hold on to things that we think are good because we are taught that they are good by somebody or because we were raised in a certain way, but we have to make sure that everything we believe lines up with scripture because scripture is the ultimate authority for a Christian's life. And when a Christian doesn't make scripture their ultimate authority, that's when the Christian falls into hypocrisy. That's when the Christian falls into different ideologies and and things that just aren't good for them. So that's why it's so important to make sure the Bible forms our worldview as Christians. Well, faithful listeners, we're almost done with the book of Judges. We're going to be, I think there's only three more chapters. We're going to be done very soon. And I'm not ending season six yet. I know this has been the longest season I've ever had, but I'm going to be moving into the book of Ruth right after this. And Ruth is only four chapters. So I'm just going to stick it in to season six as well, because it won't take us long to get through the book of Ruth. And not to mention Ruth takes place during the time period of Judges. So I think it's kind of um, weird to make Ruth a a separate season. So it's going to remain season six for probably about a month longer, maybe until after Christmas, possibly. I haven't scheduled that far out. But yeah, isn't that crazy? The Christmas is just practically a few weeks away. (laughs) It's like six weeks away at this point. Maybe, maybe seven. I don't know. But Christmas is around the corner and so is Advent. So check out the Adore Teen Girl's Guide to Advent. That is my favorite thing I've ever written. And it is available on Amazon. So check it out if you know a teenage girl, if you would like to get them a study for Advent. I'm actually going to be teaching it myself at my church for the teenagers at my church. I'm really looking forward to that. All right, faithful listeners, I will see you all tomorrow for an episode of Acts. Happy listening and God bless.